0: You know, this morning we get to celebrate not just with our church here, not just with two more campuses in Lawrenceburg and Shoals, but today we get to celebrate with the Capital C Church, the global church where literally billions of people are celebrating the resurrected Savior, Jesus, who came and he laid down his life so we could be free. And he rose from the dead as His stamp declaring, I am who I said I am. I did what I said I did. Because I live, you get to live also. One more time, man, can we give God praise for grace and mercy and life and joy? Come on, man, just for one minute. Just a few minutes ago, we got to celebrate with Abby, her story and what God did for her. And it's my story too, God's done it for me. I know a lot of you in this room and a lot of you watching online, you've experienced the same grace and the same mercy where Jesus showed up and changed your life. And my hope is today that whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, that God will show up. And if you've not experienced this, today will be your day that you'll walk out free, that you'll walk out in grace, and you'll walk out knowing who really Jesus is and what he's done for you. I just want you to know this, that at the end of the service, we're gonna have an opportunity for many of you to give your life, not just to Jesus, but to follow in water baptism. At all three of our campuses, we're ready. If you wanna take that step, man, we're excited to celebrate with you the same way we did with Abby, amen? Hey, listen, God bless you guys. You can have a seat. Look at somebody next to you. Come on, just tell them you're glad to see them today. Easter in the house. Well, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. On behalf of my wife, Shauna and I, welcome. It's so good to have you guys here in the house at our Florence campus. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody in Scholes, everybody online. So good, thank you for joining us. Again, we say it every week because I truly believe it. It's my conviction that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people know that's true? Well, in 2005, a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald, he was a Canadian blogger. He did something pretty spectacular. He started with one red paperclip and through 14 trades online over a year, he traded up that paperclip all the way to a house. Pretty amazing. He traded that paperclip for a pen, traded the pen for a decorated doorknob, the doorknob for a Coleman heater, the Coleman heater for a generator, and through nine more trades, traded all the way up to a house. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty amazing. Now, here's what you need to know about that is Kyle McDonald is not the only person that's familiar with trades and exchanges. In fact, all of us in this room and all of us watching this online, our days are really about exchanges and trades. Think about it. If you like to watch a good Netflix series, what you're doing is you are trading part of your your time in exchange for entertainment. If you like to go to the gym, what you're doing is you are trading your effort in exchange for being fit and healthy and maybe just maybe the peak of an ab before summer, (laughs) right? As a people, right? The way we operate in the monetary system, what are we doing? We are trading our dollars in exchange for goods and services. So all of us in this room, it is part of our life to work and operate in this idea of trades and exchanges. But I think probably more important than that, what we don't always realize is we just don't trade out. It is our nature to trade up. Everybody say trade up. What I mean by that is we just don't make equal trades. We will only trade something if we feel like what we're getting in return is at least as good as, if not better, than what we're trading away. And so why that's important is because while it's our nature, it's our society, it's our culture to operate in trades and exchanges, Jesus came and as always, he flipped the script and he did things upside down. Where we trade up, Jesus came and his mission was to trade down. Jesus traded down his divinity for humanity. Jesus traded down heaven for earth. Jesus traded down the celebration he got for the rejection he experienced. He traded down his life for death. Well, the reason that's important out of all these things is because at the end of the day, Jesus did what he did. He traded down so you and I can trade up. He came to take what we have and gives us, give us what he has so we can experience true life change and eternal life in Jesus. Come on, is anybody thankful for the trade? So we've been having this conversation. What does it look like for us as Christ followers, as people to navigate these trades? We've been in this series for several weeks entitled The Exchange, where Jesus invites us to make some very specific changes that'll change our lives. Week one, we talked about exchanging lies for truth. That There are things that you believe about yourself, things people told you, things you've decided looking in a mirror. There's things we believe about ourselves, our body image, how we feel, and it's just not true. There's things we also believe about God. And if you misunderstand or you believe the lie about yourself or about God, then you'll miss the freedom Jesus wants you to walk in. And so Jesus says, hey, come and give me your lies and I'll give you truth. And Jesus makes this incredibly profound promise. He says, and if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So the invitation is to take your lies and exchange them for truth. Last week we talked about exchanging our doubts for faith. It's okay to have questions. You don't have to have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. It's okay. But at the end of the day, as we grow in our maturity, we walk close with God. God invites us on this journey where we can exchange our doubts for faith. Today, I want to have probably one of the biggest conversations in this series, and that's this idea of exchanging our guilt for grace. Exchanging our guilt for grace. Let me ask the question, how many of you in this room have ever felt guilty? Raise your hand. Every service, I get like 40%, 40%, which makes me nervous because the rest of them are like, are you just lazy or are you a psychopath and you don't feel guilt? And I should be nervous. You might come up and stab me. How many people have ever felt, felt some guilt in their life? Raise your hand. All of us in this room, for sure. I can probably remember and look back in my life to what at least I can remember is maybe the first time I felt real guilt. I felt real guilt. I was probably six years old and At this time in my life, my dad, when he would come home from work, he would go upstairs and he would take off his watch. He would take out his wallet. He would take out his change and he would put it on his dresser. But on the weekends, things were a little bit different. He would come in, get cleaned up. Him and my mom might go out on the town. This is before they knew Jesus. Just a little disclaimer there. And they would come in late, and so um, every weekend, this is how it was, I would find that my dad would come in and he would take off his watch, take out his wallet, take out his pocket change, and back in the day, because it was the 70s, he used to roll with the big cross, right, with the taco meat hanging out, anybody know what I'm talking about? He'd take that off and he would put it on the stand next to the couch. And I don't know what it was, but this one particular Sunday, as a six-year-old kid kind of playing in the living room, my parents were right in the room next to us in the dining room. And I remember seeing this money, dimes and quarters and nickels, oh my. I just thought, I'm, I want some of that. And I don't remember what came over me, but I remember very clearly and very sneakily going over and taking several of those coins. And I thought I was getting away with it. You know how you, come on parents, you know how your kids think they're sneaky, but not, they're not as sneaky as they think they are. And so I filled my pocket with my father's money not long later in the afternoon, we decided to go to Kmart, the shopping place. Come on. Anybody remember Walmart's second cousin, Kmart? <laughs> and I had probably little money myself. Keep in mind, you guys are like nickels, dimes, and quarters. Like I was popping Benji's as I'm 50 years old. Back when I, 46 years ago, nickels, dimes, and quarters was a lot of money. And so I probably had a dollar of my own money. So we went to Kmart and I don't remember what I bought, but I remember I bought certainly more than I should have had money to buy. My dad noticed it. He didn't say anything when I was taking the money. He didn't say anything when I was checking out at Kmart, but I can take you to the place in my driveway at 796 Chinook Avenue in Akron, Ohio, when my dad looked over his shoulder and said, Stephen, where did you get the money for that? And immediately I knew he knew. I didn't come clean. I did what all six-year-old kids do. I started to lie. (laughs) Come up with stories about money he didn't know I had, but he knew. And I wish in hindsight, he would have beat me because I would have felt better about the guilt I was experiencing, but he didn't. And in that moment as a six-year-old kid, I just felt this disappointment and this shame and this guilt of stealing from a dad who would have given me anything. And I would love to tell you that's the only time I've ever experienced guilt, but it's not. It's been one of many of a long history of disappointments and bad mistakes and sins and infractions and things that I've done in my life. So I just want you to know, I'm going to raise my hand with you. You're not the only one to feel guilt. In fact, you're taking notes. Some of us in this room have guilt and some of us feel guilt. You know what the difference is? The difference is that if you feel guilty, it's probably because you are. guilty. Come on, y'all can say it with me. You got to go along for the ride today. If you feel guilty, it's because probably you are guilty. You are guilty. Now, if you want to push back against that, let me just go a little bit further. I think the truth is all of us in this room, we all have original guilt and we all have personal guilt. Original guilt is this biblical idea. If you've been in church, maybe you've heard the term, it's this original sin. And you don't have to be in church at all. You could be brand new here and we're so glad you're here. If this is the first time you've ever been in church online, thanks for showing up. Let me just pitch the idea to you and I think you would agree with me. The idea of original guilt is this idea that we're all born broken, I had to learn a lot of things as a child, just like all of you. Someone had to teach me how to read. Someone had to teach me how to, you know, my, my, uh, my multiplication table. Someone had to teach me manners. But nobody had to teach me how to steal. No one had to teach me how to be greedy. Nobody had to teach me how to be mean. Come on, that just, that came natural. Do you know why? Because all of us are born with original sin. All of us are born with a bent. All of us are born with original guilt. Now, if you don't agree with that idea, that's okay. Let's go further and say this. We just don't all have original guilt. We all have, say it, personal guilt, which means all of us in this room, we've all made decisions and made mistakes that with it has come the burden and the weight of guilt because you're gonna go home and eat a meal and then lay on the couch for the rest of the afternoon. This will be the only calisthenics you will have, so participate with me. Get your heart rate at least above 50. Raise your hand if you've done these things. Have you ever lied, stolen, cheated? lusted, hated, been unforgiving, talked about your mother-in-law. Oh, I was gonna go with adultery on that one and I decided not to. Amen, hold it up. Jesus sees it, brother, I see you. I mean, we can just go on, we can make lists for days and at the end of the day, again, you don't have to be spiritual, you don't have to love Jesus. At this point, it's just this idea, if we're honest, As a culture and as a community, and certainly even more important as individuals, we all shoulder shoulder the weight of guilt. Guilt's painful and it's heavy. So how do you govern guilt? That's what I wanna talk about today. If we're all guilty, how do we govern guilt? And I just want you to know up front that today all of us can walk out of the rooms at all of our campuses and you can exchange your guilt for grace. But I want us to lean into a conversation that Jesus has. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. You can turn there, you can follow the verses up on the screen. There's only two ways. If you're taking notes, there's only two ways to deal with guilt. And that is you can deny it or you can disclose it. Every other category, what do you do with guilt? How do you manage guilt? How do you navigate it? How do you get rid of it? How do you govern guilt? How do you shun shame? How do you overcome condemnation? You can either deny it or you can disclose it. Notice in the story Jesus gives us here, Luke chapter 18, verse 10, he says this, He says, two men went to the temple to pray. Two different guys, two separate guys on the same day go to church. There's an organ, Hammond B3 going in the background. It's about to be church. These two guys show up, they're praying. And notice he tells us something about each of these men. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Now, all of you who are watching this, you need to make a decision because Jesus wants you to make a decision. You have to decide who are you in the story. Everyone is someone in this story. Either you're the Pharisee or you're the despised tax collector. Now, if you don't know anything about this verse, you're like, I want to be the Pharisee. Nobody wants to be the tax collector, especially with April 15th coming, right? Gone and went. How many people owed the tax tax man money this this year? You still got to pay your tithe. I mean, I felt like I'm... I'm just kidding. eh? He's talking about money. So listen to this, so Jesus says, okay, there's two men. One's a Pharisee, one's a despised tax collector. He's telling a parable, he's pulling us in, and he's gonna make you decide, how are you gonna deal with your guilt? And he says this, the Pharisee, he stood by himself and he prayed this prayer, I love it. I thank God, I mean, I hear King James, oh, I thank God it's above. I'm not like the other people. I'm not like the cheaters and sinners and the adulterers and all these wicked people. I love it. He even points the guy out next to him. He's there, right? Remember, he says, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. He said, I fast twice a week and I give you a 10th of my income. A Pharisee in this day was kind of a pastor. They were kind of the religious elite. They were the people who lived an Instagram life. Come on, y'all know the people who live in Instagram life. The Instagram life is, it looks like your life's all together. It looks like you don't beat your kids on vacation. It looks like you and your spouse never fight. Everybody's clothes are always dressed, nothing, right? That's not true. What Jesus discovered with this group of people called the Pharisees is they had their life very much in order on the outside, but they were just as broken as everybody else on the inside. And he called them a term. It's kind of offensive. We don't get it today, but Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. To put it in a modern vernacular, all of us in this room, certainly watching online, we know what we call Decoration Day here in the South. We don't have it in the North. Decoration Day when you go to the cemetery and they freshly mow the grass and they edge everything and everybody goes and puts fresh flowers or or, they look like fresh flowers. (laughs) And this is Jesus. Jesus is looking at a freshly... Mode cemetery with brand new plastic flowers. He's like, that's just a lot of relig- just like a lot of religious people. They're all fresh on the top, but they're all dead on the bottom. They're alive on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. And so that's this guy. And notice what he does. How does he deal with this guilt? Because he deals with it like a lot of us. This is how religious people do? And I'm maybe may putting you in this category. I'm putting me in this category. Notice how judgmental he gets. Anybody here judge anybody else in church? Lawrenceburg, Schultz, anybody here ever judge anybody else? I'm raising my, just so you know, I judge some of you. Pray for, I'm just telling you, at least I'm admitting it. I am this. just so you know, I am the standard for worship in the church on a Sunday morning. If you're not worshiping at least as passionate as I am, I have decided you don't love Jesus. I'm just telling you, if you, if you got your hands in your pockets, I'm looking back like, Lord, he ain't even singing. He don't love you. But then there's people on the other side that are jumping a little bit too much, look like they're about to run, and I'm like, come on, Samson, it don't take all that. Simmer down. That's too much, and that's not enough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just judge some people. This guy's in church, and notice what he's focused on. He's guilty because we're all guilty. And he does what church people do really well. What church people do really well is they want everybody else to feel guilty for what they've done wrong while ignoring the guilt that we should feel for what we've done wrong. And he's looking at the person next to him. And what he's doing, the way he's dealing with his guilt, is he's denying his guilt by focusing on how good he is and how much better he is. He's good and he's better. Say that he's good and he's better. God, look how good I am. I've, I've come to church. I'm praying. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. Like, you know, man, you just can't do much better. I'm, I'm good. I can go back to my six-year-old self and I wish I would've thought in the moment to say, dad, I might've stole your money, but I've been a really good kid for the other five and a half years. Does that change the fact that I stole from my dad? I, I just triple dog dare you the next time you get pulled over by a police officer to tell him how good of a driver you've been besides the moment he's pulled you over. He's not gonna be like, oh, well, in that case, if this is the only time you've ever run a red light, no, you still deserve a ticket. What he's doing is he's deflecting, he's ignoring, he's denying his guilt by saying how good he is. Not just good, but he's better, because this is what we're really good at. Again, we're good at setting ourselves as a standard of morality. Anybody above me is just like uber spirits, and anybody below me, they're wicked. Like, I'm the standard of what's good and what's right. Look how good I am. Look how much better I am than everybody else. And so if you are in this room or you're watching on one of in one of our campuses and the way you're navigating the guilt from spring break or a decision you made or a clinic you went into or a conversation you had or a season you went through or an addiction you're walking through is just saying I'm not as bad as those people. If the way you're trying to bear and carry the weight of guilt is just by focusing on the good you've done. We've all done good in such an auspicious room of wonderful people dressed so well on Easter Sunday morning. I'm sure you've loved people, written cards, encouraged one another, helped your neighbor. I'm sure you've sacrificed for lots of people, but at the end of the day, all of your good doesn't negate all of the things that all of us have done that bear the weight of guilt. How do you govern your guilt? Well, you can deny it, it isn't the best option. Notice what Jesus says, here's the second option, you can disclose it. He goes on, he says this, he says, but the tax collector He stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven. He was literally down and out. He was looking down and he was too afraid even to get too close to church because he knew something wasn't right. He was sensing the weight of guilt. And he gets in the moment and he prays just like the other guy prayed, just like the Pharisee, the tax collector. He says this. As he prayed, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Can we pray this together? Here's his prayer. Oh God, be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. All of our campuses, can we just make that our prayer? Be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. What he does in this moment is he doesn't doesn't deflect it, he doesn't deny it, like he just owns it. Like I've messed up, I'm a sinner, I can run through the list. And here's what you need to know, when we confess our sin or disclose our sin to God, it's not like we're giving him information he doesn't already have. He knows. He knows. He knows what you said. He knows what you did. He knows what I thought. He knows where we went. He was watching when the blinds were pulled. He saw it when we cleared our cash. Come on, somebody. He knows everything. And so when we come to God and we disclose our sins so we can do something with our guilt to make the great exchange to get grace, we're not telling God something he doesn't know. What we're doing is we're humbling himself and we're coming to the only person who can do something with the tremendous weight of guilt. What we celebrate today, I believe, is that Jesus wasn't just a man and he wasn't just a teacher and he wasn't just a prophet. He was God's son born of a virgin who lived a perfect life and he died on the cross, a sacrificial death on my behalf and on your behalf. He took and carried the weight of our guilt. He died our death so we could have life. And when he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, the day we celebrate today, it was his stamp saying, I am who I said I am. I did what I said I would do. You can now have grace. You can be free and you can be children of God. Come on, is thankful for that amazing message? So when he goes, what he was willing to do is he's willing just to face it and embrace it. And if you've made some decisions, you've gone through some seasons, you've stepped over some lines, you've been in some sin, you've made some mistakes. I just would encourage you, right? Instead of denying it and comparing yourself, like, let's just disclose it. Let's face it and embrace it. Like, this is who I am, but I got to do something with it. So we bring it to God. And this man, this tax collector sinner, notice how God, how Jesus responds to this man. Verse 14, he says this, he says, I tell you the sinner, not the Pharisee. You thought it was gonna be the Pharisee that was right. Jesus says, nope, flip the script. I tell you the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves, I don't need help, I'm good. You're gonna be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Newsflash, everybody in this room, and everybody in Lawrenceburg, and everybody in Shoals, in just a few minutes, at some point today, you're headed home. And you can either leave still navigating and trying to figure out what you do with your guilt, or you can be this guy. Again, listen to what Jesus says. He says, this guy, he returned home justified. Everybody say justified. We don't ever say that word, but let's say it because we're in church, it's a church word, everybody say one, two, three. Justified. You know what justified is? Justified grace is the gift of being guilt free. It's a gift we couldn't earn. It's a gift we couldn't pay for. But Jesus secured a gift for everybody in this room, everybody online. And he gives us and offers us this gift in the exchange. We got to give him something to get the gift and we get to give him our guilt. Come on, that's a trade down for a trade up. If you'll just give him your guilt, just humble yourself. God, I blew it. I messed up. I missed the mark. I made a mistake. I can't fix me. I can't heal me. When you come to him, I don't care who you are, what you've done. I've seen it over 30 years. People experience life change in Jesus. If you'll just take your guilt and exchange it for grace. What is this idea? Again, this justification, Paul talks about it in Romans chapter five, just a few more minutes together. He says, when we were utterly helpless, that's, what's going to take you to God is when you reach a place that you realize you can't fix you and you can't do anything about the mess on the inside or the mess on the outside. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, which means you don't come to Jesus and or you don't get right and then come to Jesus, you come to Jesus and then get Right? You don't have to fix any, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus will take you exactly as you are broken, struggling, hurting, prosperous, accelerating, moving forward. We all need Jesus and Jesus will take you exactly as you are. And when you come to him, watch this, I love this. And since we have been made right in God's sight, say that we have been made right in God's sight. Say it again. Made right in God's sight. Anybody been wondering, like you been wanting to get a tattoo? That's a good one. I'll just drop that. It's never too late. Never too late to get some ink. This is what justification is. I love it. Here's what I found. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's hard to please people in this world. It's, it just is. I seen. A, I came across a TikTok channel uh, about pastors. <clears throat> and it's pastor humor. You may not get it. But like it's, it's this this guy is trying to leave to go home to be with, be with his family. And, and this guy stops and says, pastor, can I just have a minute of your time? And so he gives this guy a minute. It turns into five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours. This guy's pouring out his heart. And then he calls. Now his wife and kid, is mad, they're mad at him because he missed dinner. And you know, so then the other scenario is he's like, listen, man, I would love to spend time with you, but I made a commitment to be home tonight with my family for dinner. And then the guy calls and says, listen, I'm leaving your church because I, it's like a, we feel like sometimes we're, this is not a pity for, but I'm saying like sometimes people are hard to please. Wives are hard to please and husbands are hard to please and kids are hard to please. The wor- We can't please anybody or everybody all the time. But the person we need to please the most is the one who made it possible. You can come to Jesus and be made right in his sight. No matter who looks sideways at you from now on, when God, the father looks at you, he sees a son or a daughter of the most high. You've been made right because you no longer carry the guilt. If you're guilty or if you're not guilty, there's no reason to feel guilty. See, because some of us in this room, hopefully today's the day that you come and you do something with the guilt you're carrying. Some of you have already made this decision. And at some point in your life, you started into a spiritual journey and you had an encounter with God and you've heard this story that I'm telling you today about a God who loved you, who sent his son to die for you. And you made the exchange, but you still have this shade of shame on you. You still have a hard time praying. It's like, does God really gonna hear me? You have a hard time coming to church, like walking in you're like, I don't know, cause I'm still, I'm still not perfect. Newsflash, neither am I. And so sometimes we feel like we made the exchange, but we we still feel the shame. If you're taking notes, sin separates God from us. Shame separates us from God. See, when we come to Jesus, God takes our guilt. And whatever was separating you from him, he deals with. But you gotta do something with the shame. And that's just to recognize, man, God has done enough. So if you're here and you love Jesus, but you wrestle with shame still, I want you to know, man, God wants you to walk out of here guilt-free as much as anybody else. First John, he says this, even if we feel guilty, because sometimes we still feel the weight of guilt, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty... You can come to God with bold confidence. What he's saying is, listen, I want to do something with your guilt. If you've only tried to deny it, if you give it to me, I will take it and I will cover it and I'll forgive it. And if I've already forgiven you, but you still feel shame, he says, you got to make a decision to get past your feelings because God wants you and I to have confidence in our relationship with him. That's right. So if you're taking those last thought, you can't have guilt and have God. You just can't. Because guilt will make you hang your head low and think God doesn't love you. Guilt will separate you from a God who loves you. So the challenge today is I wanna take the reality of a man who loved you enough, God's only begotten son, who said, man, give me it. I'll take the weight you're carrying. I'll take the burden that's breaking you. I'll take the disappointment, the heartache, the shame, the guilt, the sin, the struggle, I'll give it to me. And he says, when you give me what you have, I'll give you what I have, and I'll take your guilt and I'll give you my grace. And grace is being made right in his sight. Say it again, it's being made right in his sight. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision to put your trust in a God who loves you, if you've been wrestling with the weight of guilt, today at all of our campuses, I wanna give you an opportunity to give it to him and let him give you grace. I'm gonna pray a really simple prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus or today you need to do something with the guilt in your life, Just pray the simple prayer to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are and you did what you said you did for me. I confess my guilt and my shame and my struggle. I ask you to take it, the weight of it, the separation of it, and give me grace that I can be made right in your sight. Thanks for being my savior. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, and everybody who greets that amen. Come on, somebody. Hey, we're gonna sing one more song before we go. Just, listen know, man, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being here. Stand to your feet. Listen, if you're here and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it a while ago, but you've never been water baptized, I wanna invite you today. I know you got places to go, people to see. But I want to encourage you to take the next step today in your spiritual journey. If you didn't come ready, we have shorts, we have shirts, we have tiles, we have everything you need. At the, and if we get done with this song, in the back of our worship centers, at all of our campuses, you go back, people will be there to take you to the place. But let's worship one more song together before we go.